You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Making Waves. All is not lost. You look good. Hey, you as well, man. I'm very stoked to be here. Yeah, listen, before we get into any conversation, man, I just want people to know who weren't aware of it. Um, your contribution and your voice and your enthusiasm during the Cancer Sucks auction was just fucking amazing, man. We can't thank you enough, dude. Oh, man. I mean, it was my pleasure. I I, I had no idea that the response to, you know, my auction item was going to be what it was. And I was... Dude. Well, because you know what? A, it's super generous. And B, it's a, a very unique gift, a lifetime ticket thing. I mean, for a fan, I mean, I'm still going on Iron Man shows almost 40 years later, bro. It pays off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, I mean, it was uh, at the end of the day, man, the, the honest truth is that the benefit that that, you know, that those finances will have for the nonprofit far outweighs you know the sacrifice of us like giving out a couple tickets you know for life um so we were just happy to do it you know well i, I think another thing too with things like that is it's coming directly from you the artist so it's not like hey we've got this issue we got this item on the table which is uh, is great too we, we love that but coming directly from you and you're the one kind of plugging it uh certainly helped and you helped us raise over one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, man so god bless you thank you my friend Oh my gosh. My honestly, like, even if we're not on the boat, let me get involved in that somehow. Um, in the future, Dude, I would, Chad and I would gladly let you have the mic for that. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of fun. I had a ton of fun, man. Yeah. Dude, I think the onesie too, the jungle onesie or whatever you're wearing that, that helped. <laughs> oh bro. Listen, I had seven, it was a seven day cruise. I had seven different versions of that outfit. <laughs> That's amazing. So let, so let me ask you, man, when you were growing up, did you have gray animals? Uh, say you know, do you know what gray animals are? No. Uh-uh. Okay. Uh, it might be a little before your time, but anyways, they basically parents would get them and they're mixing. They're basically matching sets. Like a, a number one top matches with a number one pair of shorts and it's for kids. And it's kind of that thing like, Hey, that pattern is a number two. So you got to match it with a pair of number two shorts to just create a onesie. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, man, he, he, maybe he knows about, maybe he's an older brother who had to wear animals growing up and he just kind of. <laughs> no, I, I was looking, I was looking for like the most, what looks like I'm on vacation outfits possible on Amazon and just slayed it, dude. <laughs> and I honestly, I didn't think I was going to be the only one. I thought I was going to roll up and everyone's going to be all vacationed out. But like the whole boat is just like rockers dressed like rockers. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm out of place. No. No, but that's what sets you apart, and that's what made it so damn good. And plus, dude, it's so funny because you guys are a very heavy band. You have obviously your very melodic moments, but generally, it's just it's a little bit of a hammer to the face. 
Yeah. So do you guys to come out dressed like that? It just kind of takes people off guard, and that's exactly what you're hoping to do. It's, it's, plus, it's not a fucking boat in the middle of the ocean, man. I'm wearing a onesie. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, shock factor for sure. And uh, yeah, I um, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this later, but I just want to yeah. say, you know, ever since Shiprock started, we have seen the ad mats and we've seen like, you know, the videos and everything. And we're like, man, I want to do that so bad. And uh, so for it to finally happen and, and for it to go over so well um, was just insane, dude. Like we had the absolute best time. Well, I get a feeling that sometime in the future, there's going to be another ad mat with your name on it. Let's go. I hope so. Yeah. man. There you go. <laughs> we Speaking of ad mats with their name on it, uh, I, I totally spaced on the fact that I was like, so did you guys do any tours uh, or was it uh, recently or was uh, Shiprock just a one-off? They're like, no, we were out for two and a half weeks post the, the ship with, uh, with I told me you just had Winston with Parkway Drive. Yeah. Th- that was their first like US tour too, right? In like years. In a long time, dude. Yeah. And it was such a smash. It was, it, the whole tour was insane. Starting with Shiprock was such a vibe setter, you know, like getting to hang out with the people that are on Shiprock is the best part about Shiprock because mm-hmm. those fans are so dedicated to that cruise and to that festival right and then so you you kind of get that and you're like man we're about to go on the road i hope like i have just as cool interactions with fans like at these shows and parkways fans are are so like their own type and so awesome and so supportive and so we just had we had an unbelievable tour man i mean start to finish the whole thing from ship rock to the end of that tour was insane that's awesome. It, it, the gonna, fact that you're, you, did you see ship rockers any, any of those dates, by the way? Cause usually they, they make themselves, even though it's a large venue, they make themselves pretty apparent when you're. Oh dude, absolutely. So, I mean, like leading up to ship rocked on our headliner, um, <laughs> we had people at meet and greets almost every single day being like, we're going to see a ship rock. And I'm like, no way. That's so cool. And then, yeah, on the parkway tour, they're like, we just saw you on the boat. And I was like, man, and you didn't get enough. And you're, you're back again. <laughs> It was awesome, dude. It was very cool. Yeah, the culture is something else, man. Yeah, dude. I, hey, when you went on the tour, though, you had to go straight back to uh, Show Blacks, right? <laughs> Sorry, what was it? You had, you went back to Show Blacks when you did the tour. Oh though, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, trust me, the the freedom of wearing those uh, silky shorts and tops. I mean, I would love to rock them on stage, but I think if I did that in a club, people would be a little freaked out. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, I came here. I didn't come here to have a good time. I want to come in here and get the aggro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. awesome. So speaking of aggro, man, we made misery. Yes, sir. Are, yeah, you're looking at a few months, uh, a year out. How's, how's the record been faring? How are people responding to, uh, response to it as compared to this this stuff previous? And what's the what's the road forward for new music for you guys to kind of get this whole conversation rolling? Man, yeah. So, I mean, the record itself has been undeniably our most all-encompassing successful record of our whole career. Um, 15 years in, that's a crazy feeling because there's so many highs and lows and this wave that you're riding being a band as long as we have, you wonder if you're ever going to have that spark again that kind of was at the beginning of everything. Um, and that spark is, is here now. You know, it's, it's, it's very much happening all over again. It's been really special. I think the pandemic was so important for our band. And I say that also, obviously at the same time, such a terrible time for so many people. Um, but the forced stop 
for us. Um, the no one's on tour. There's nothing to worry about. You don't have to be on the road. Now it's time to write a record. Mm-hmm. That thing for us was so important. And so getting to, you know, focus on nothing but music. It's almost like making your first record all over again. Right. It's because, you know, yeah. they say you have your whole life to make your first album. Well, it's like when the train gets rolling, it's so hard to to stop that train to to make music. And so for this to happen at this time, was exactly what our band needed to rediscover who we are as a band to write the best record we've ever written and to make something that connects not only with fans that have been with us the whole time, but with fans uh, that are new and fans that are yet to come. And uh, we feel like we really did that. And so, you know, we're riding that wave still, this record is still cycling and we actually are about to push our third radio single here in the next couple of weeks. So uh, that'll be cool. We got a new music video coming out for that as well. Um, and then after that, I think we might do some sort of rendition, whether it's like acoustic or whatever, um, of a few songs, and then we'll start rolling out um, whatever's next. So I think we're a ways out for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it seems to be a conversation a lot of folks we've had on, on the podcast and just people we had in our own conversations with bands. It's like, are you guys going to get to a point too where the full length album kind of something that you just kind of bypass and you kind of go to EPs or just dropping singles like bi-monthly or what's, what's the new paradigm, man? Or do you kind of guys want to stick with the whole album format? So, I mean, like we're, we're a great example of that. Um, this album is 11 songs and we released one song a month for nine months. So by the time the actual record came out, there was only two songs that people hadn't heard yet. Mm -hmm. I think the beautiful thing about it was that people who were interested in the record went and rediscovered all the songs they had already heard in the form that they were meant to be heard in right from start to finish. And Mm -hmm. that's awesome. So I do, I do think that there's a place for albums. I don't know about like CDRs, right? It's like, I have, you know, I, I have a car, my last car and my newest car both didn't have CD players because it's, it's not a thing anymore. Right. But we'll make them because people collect them and it's awesome. Right. And, and vinyl forever, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah. But like the, the, the way that music is consumed now is heavily like playlist focused. Um, and you know, obviously like DSPs, is where people go uh, to consume music. And so when you think about it that way, you have to realize that it's rare that someone's going to go to your album and stream start to finish without being like, Oh, but what about this other thing? I, my ADD, like music is like ADD now. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think albums are important for our core fans that really appreciate those. And we'll never stop for them. But at the same time, I think that exploring new avenues of releasing music is important and that's what we did on this last one. And it, and it panned out really well. You mentioned oh. something funny was a listener was like ADD. I, I got a feeling at some point, the way corporations work at some point, uh, the next time you pick up your Adderall prescription, you get a free download. Yeah, for sure. Man. <laughs> and I mean, I'm, I am so ADD. Uh, so, so I, I get it. I mean, I'm right, I'm right there with people who have short attention spans and, um, and just, you know, yeah. have a hard time focusing. Which is great, which is great about what you guys do in folk bands. It's like, you know, it's like what, Robo, the original drummer for Black Flag, always says, like, they go, why are, you sec- why are your songs only 60 seconds? He goes, well, the A, that's where the energy is, and B, that's about as, our t- that's about as much as we're like, our, 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 our attention span is good for. 60 seconds, is, <laughs> yeah. and you're out, right? You're in and out. Yeah. You go on to the next idea, it's another 60 seconds. 100%. I wish our songs were 60 seconds. That would actually be <laughs> uh, very helpful for remembering lyrics. 
Have you guys been doing any of the, exploring any of the sped up versions uh, uh, of your old songs, <laughs> like the back category? I mean, I literally just was in a meeting uh, earlier today talking about the tre- that trend of speeding up music and how it's like hitting every single like pop and R and B and all those acts like their catalogs. They're going back to their back catalog and then re-recording new copyrights of the recording side that they could do outside of their contract with the labels. And putting them out there just yeah. on like the the TikToks and the Instagrams because it's a different way that they monetize, you know? It's crazy, dude. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, any any way to monetize a stream, right? I mean, like for us, we haven't yet, but it's funny to think about, you know, 2003, maybe, in my dad's apartment with like this little computer stick microphone running acid 4.0 yeah um and tracking something and then speeding it up and being like whoa that's awesome and then all this time later like people being like yo that's awesome it's crazy it's like the technology's always been there but i guess it's just appealing to a certain crowd so yeah i mean we'll probably do it to be honest yeah. or you got yeah, used to the, the new version of the their songs i'm like oh what if they're gonna do a sped up version now yeah. Matt, maddie i guess i guess something for yourself and management to consider you're talking about you wish your songs were sped up why don't you guys do this why don't you guys mash up every album every album gets 15 minutes you mash up the best parts of the songs and then that's basically your set list. I love it. I mean, honestly, that that's a great idea. But what about what if we release an album of all of our albums stacked on top of each other audio wise and just put it out? So it's yeah. every song all together. Well, that's called a six album chronological. And now you're in Jethro Tull's territory. Or, so. or playing <laughs> lips. That's, that's the. <laughs> No, like at the, at the same time. At the same time. <laughs> at the same time, all these songs are playing. So it's just utter chaos. Uh, I mean, you know, with today's audience, you never know. It might work. It, it could it actually, absolutely you know, They work. might actually work together in, in some sort of crazy way. Uh, the, every, yeah. every like 13 <laughs> seconds, you might catch one little thing where like, well, that, that didn't oh. make me feel <laughs> nauseous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Listen, one, one thing you mentioned, and uh, you mentioned 15 years, and you, I don't think of you guys, I still think of you as a young band that just, hey, they just like, they're just starting out and they're just kind of getting their legs under them. And I'm like, you're around for 15 fucking years. I mean, it's even bands that like, it's bewildering sometimes. That, and I can't imagine as a band going, how the fuck have we been around this long? It doesn't seem that long. Yeah. And you go, well, man, you know what? Are, are we itching towards heritage rock? What are we doing? What, where are we? <laughs> it's kind of like, I mean, we have a career here for fuck's sake. We're not, yeah. We didn't get into to have a career. We got it to get girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it is crazy, man. I mean, I think that, you know, there's different pockets where we have been kind of like, um, I don't really know the word. It's like there's pockets of music listeners that have been with us and known us forever that, you know, like the Warp Tour crowd and um, just like the metalcore community in general. But now, like with things like Shiprocked and doing tours with Parkway and like all the kind of stuff that we're doing, we're playing for so many different types of people that have never heard of us, you, you included, right? Um, and we're getting to this space where, you know, there's such a broad market. It's it, like there's no age range. There's no gender. There's no anything that like prevents you from listening to Memphis May Fire at this point, you know? Yeah. And uh, back in the day, it was like very heavily 
this one thing that we were doing, which was enough to sustain because the Warped Tour world was so big, right? But now um, to be able to branch out into those things and to gain new audience and to and to get the trust and the listen from people that you never thought would be at your show is just it, dude, it's awesome. When I look out in the crowd every night from stage and I see faces that I didn't expect to see, it's so rewarding. It's funny that the whole kind of Bill Graham's like late sixties mentality of putting these bills together where Ella Fitzgerald's playing on the same bill as the who. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like one of those things like the world's kind of opened up now because, and, as much as we curse from Spotify and playlists, as you mentioned, it has allowed for people to kind of create these ultimate kind of like mood and mood and vibes. So why can't there be like this bill? Like we're starting to see more country acts and rock acts kind of go out together because the audience is kind of, they kind of cross, they walk a thin line and then they just cross over really organically. So, and that, you know, Mr. Bungle going out with John Coltrane would make all the sense in the fucking world, quite honestly, you know? Yeah. Dude, totally. Yeah, yeah it's it, it's insane to see that. I've seen a lot of that recently <clears throat> where it's like Jelly Roll out with uh, Shinedown. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Or like, and, and just, it makes a lot of sense because I think what it does is it helps people admit that they like certain music where it's like, you might be a, a massive Shinedown fan or you might be a massive Breaking Benjamin fan, but then you get in your car and you're on your way home and you're listening to Memphis Mayfire, you're listening to Jelly Roll. So, you know what I mean? It's like, so you put these bands together and then it makes a lot of sense. And um, for us, I think the biggest, like the first statement that we made like that, I'm, I'm bad with years. I don't know if it was like 2014, 15, 16, whatever. Um, but we did a co-headliner with the band Yellow Card. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I, remember, I remember this. And it was like outrageous, but uh, like our managements, our labels, everybody was just like, this doesn't make any sense. And I was like, shut up. This is going to be so cool because no one expects it. And I mean, in that crowd, you could see like visually so apparent yellow card fans and Memphis Mayfire fans, and they were interacting and they were mingling and they were having a good time together. And they were like, sharing this moment that they would have never had had we not done that tour and i just think that's important obviously there's only so far that you can take like the genre mixing it's like memphis mayfire is not going to do a tour with two chains right but it's like when it when you can when you can you make say a, that now well maybe yeah now. yeah maybe i i would hope i would absolutely <laughs> love that like that would be insane but like what what's actually realistic and available is yeah. you know and and I think that that keeps getting bigger and bigger, you know, like people don't think that this is going to happen. The Memphis Mayfire yellow card co-headliner. And then it happens and, you know, jelly rolling shine down and all this stuff. And it's like, well, you know, how far can we push it? You know, it's very cool. And I think a lot of people are enjoying it. Maddie, you're an OG too, uh, uh, in this featured artist, like featured vocalist space. Like, uh, it's one thing like, for, for instance, a, a huge proponent of in, in, in my band's, uh, career is like, hey, there's nothing to saying that rock bands can't feature on other rock bands uh, songs. And it was really, I think, I don't remember seeing a lot of that be outside of our space of music besides you early on. And now you see it in every release, right? On, on Spotify and everything. Uh, yeah. Up until up until very recently, that was kind of like passe, like you don't do that. It's hard. How do we figure it out? But how did you really get into that that space and game other than like maybe just being friends with somebody, but you had to have the past. Like, could you explain where you kind of came yeah, from? Yeah, I mean, I guess like early on, um, 
living in Dallas. So I, I was born and raised in Spokane, Washington. I moved to Dallas to join the band that I'm in. Um, and Dallas at that point was such a rad music scene. There were so many bands that were just killing and um, the festival kind of scene, like local festival scene there was so awesome. Um, so, I mean, like, because there were so many people around you, you just start to gravitate towards, you know, uh, different friendships and new bands. And you realize like, man, we should collaborate. And, um, you know, I think one of the first ones I did was like fit for a King or something. Um, and from that point, then you just get so many requests. Um, and you have to kind of filter them like, okay, well I can't like cloud up my, uh, like Spotify or Apple music page this much by like doing all like features, but which ones matter to me and which ones are, are awesome. Like what songs do I really stoked about and want to be a part of? Um, so yeah, it's just, it's been, I guess a long run of, of doing that. And I love, I love to, to be a part of someone else's um, creativity and, and the cool stuff they're doing. I just think it's a ton of fun. Yeah. You have a lot of those features and I, I, I always thought it was whenever I would see one come up and like, Matty's got that. Matty knows what's up. You just, you got to collaborate. It not only helps your brand, your band, all of that, but on top of it, it builds the the community of what you, the whole actually is by crossing streams like that. You know, it makes Dude, touring totally. a lot more fun too. Like a yellow card, didn't you feature on a yellow card song too? I did. I sang on the the record that came out like during that tour that we did, um, which is probably nuts. fucking super. It was probably super fun to, to be on to, on tour with each other at that moment, right? You oh man, it was it thing. was so cool. I mean, like. The, those dudes are awesome regardless like it, th there's this whole cool thing about the tour happening but then like them as people are wonderful you know like and i actually all of the friends that i have in tennessee um kind of were like a a byproduct of so at the end of that yellow card tour i got home and ryan their singer invited me to his house for a birthday party and I met this dude. We were just sitting and chatting. Um, come to find out, he was a drummer for this band called Reliant K mm -hmm. and uh, the Supertones and like all this stuff. His name's Ethan Luck. And he introduced me to a couple guys from Spring Hill the following day. Like we met at the party and the next day he came over and we were hanging out. And then those guys invited me uh, to hang out with them. And we just kind of like grew this circle. It's been like this huge blessing. And just like knowing people and, and getting to enjoy people here in Tennessee. Um, so it's like, if it wasn't for that yellow card tour, I don't know if my life would look the way it does at all, you know? So it's just cool to see what happens. Yeah. I love that, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to reflect on one other thing you talked about is like going out like, you know, you kind of like, well, how does this tour work us in yellow card who is kind of somewhat in the genre, but they're in a different ballpark. It's just like, you know, your longtime fans will sustain you, but your whole point is to reach as many people as you can. And yes, two chains crowd, you probably wouldn't pick up many new fans that probably be like, well, this is cool for the hour, this hour of my life, but I don't think I'm going to listen to this band once the <laughs> lights come up. But someone like Yellow Card have audience, like a fan base that would go, you know what, I think I'm going to check them out. And now you've made new fans. So that's the thing is like constantly trying to expand, even if it's one person a night, right? Get those people into your club. Yeah, totally. I mean, so, like, you know, br bringing people in, it's like wh whether someone's a fan of another band and they're interested in metalcore or whether someone is a fan of another band, never heard of the genre and they come up and they're introduced to it for the first time. They're like, this is amazing. Like grabbing that fan is so awesome. Um, and I mean, don't get me wrong. Like if we got the two chains offer, we would take it. We yeah, would yeah, absolutely just... go out and do that tour because who knows like what could come of that. But 
just in the how you know what's realistic and what's not and i think that the more that we can you know like cross genres and um you know put together exciting packages the better the industry will be in general you know yeah 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 yeah, man. I, I got a quick question, and you probably are sick of answering this, but I don't think our fan, like the the ship rockers, might even, might know all of this. You, the band Memphis Mayfire and you existed separately, right? And you came in like in two thousand and eight. Yeah, for a very short period, the band had started um, with almost a completely different lineup. Or actually, yeah, a completely different lineup minus Kellen um, and had a different vocalist. They put out an EP. They were around for about a year. Um, and then uh, bro, like the, the singer left just like almost immediately after that. And um, they started doing auditions for a new singer on MySpace, That's where weird. they uploaded an instrumental of a new song that hadn't been written to yet and had different vocalists send in like whatever they were doing. I had no idea who the band was. And, uh, I had a friend, uh, Scoop Roberts, and uh, another friend, uh, Ryan, who had Ryan Folden, who's drum tech for us as well. But back then, um, when we were in Spokane, Ryan was playing drums for a band called The Agony Scene, uh, which was so awesome because no one um, from our city had really made it out yet. So he was doing that. So he came back to town. They brought me out to lunch and they were like, hey, there's this band called Memphis Mayfire that is running open auditions on MySpace for this new song um, to join the band and you should definitely try out. And I'm like, I don't know, like I've got something cool going, like not knowing at all that like this would have been like a great opportunity. And I just decided to go into the studio and write to it and have fun with it. And so I did and I sent it in. There was over 180 auditions. Um, And because the band had signed a deal already and and had made some some waves there in Texas and everything and um, done some touring and all that. So I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but um, Kellen had responded and was like, hey, I I like what you're doing. Let me hear one more. So he sent me another song. I went in and wrote to it. They liked that one. I flew down. Uh, We practiced in Kellen's dad's living room with like a bunch of like plants and this like weird like atrium thing. Um, And they were like, okay, cool. Like you're in our first shows in two weeks. (laughs) I flew home. Uh, My wife and I, you know, canceled our apartment we put everything we own into a U-Haul trailer, put it on our forerunner that was like a 1976, like this like crappy, I don't know what year it was, but it was like this super old forerunner where it's like, let's hope we make it to Texas. And we just bombed like culture shock to the max. We had no idea what it was like to live outside of Washington state. And we just went for it um, and got there. And we had a lot, met a lot of challenges um, like right off the bat, you know, being the new singer of a band and all that. But we, you know, put a lot of effort into rebranding the band and remaking it what it is today, you know, and um, because the band was only around for about a year, it wasn't that difficult to to kind of change the minds of certain people and to bring a lot of new people in. But um, it was it was a wild ride for sure. Yeah, that sounds wild. Uh, two weeks. The fact that you had. To, yeah. Yeah. Good move. I mean, obviously it worked out for the best, but that is wild. Two weeks. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. Uh, Kellen. um who is still the only original member of guitar player. He writes bass, drums, guitar, um, is an absolute genius. Mm-hmm. You know, out of anybody that I've ever met that writes music, he, he writes music as if like instruments and pro tools and things are just an extension of his body. You know, like it's, it's like music is what he was meant to make and he doesn't know anything else. And it's like, 
to yeah to watch him create and then to receive like a fully finished instrumental demo and then having the honor of writing vocals on top of that has never been short of um an honor yeah it's just been an honor it's been very cool Hey, hey, let me ask you, is there, you guys are in a position now where you've been doing this long enough, you got a fan base built up and you've got the catalog. Is there ever the thing like, Hey, we kind of want to maybe take a a pivot from what we've been doing, or is there still a lot more to explore and kind of the the sound you guys have, or is there ever a thing where you're like, Hey man, let's, let's change it up a little bit. Is there the fear of alienation by the fan base? Or are you guys just still inspired by what you do and people and peers that do what you do? Yeah. So, I mean, for people that have been following us the whole time, they know the answer to this question already, but we've done a lot of that. Like um, from album to album, everything's been significantly different. And our last record before um, Remade in Misery was a record called Broken. And we did that one with a specifically active rock producer in las vegas we were like we want to write a rock record like it just sounds fun and you know was that churco yeah it was it was uh kane kane churco right oh mm-hmm. and so we went down and we were like man like let's make this record and we all listen to rock music this will be fun and let's see what we're capable of and you don't realize in that moment like maybe we should write a record that kind of appeals to everyone that's always listened to us and then also this new audience that we want to capture it's almost like I just want to try this thing. And for me, it's like a season and we always know that there's more to come, but to a listener, it's like you abandoned me kind of thing. Right. So we've experienced Mm -hmm. that a lot. So we wrote this rock record um, and it was good. It was a good learning experience for sure. We had fun and um, there were some singles on there that helped introduce us like into radio in general, which was awesome. Like octane really, fell in love with the band and and started to become like champions of us, which is so cool. And I love everybody there just personally. They're amazing. Um, So there was a lot of things about that, 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 that were beneficial for us, but we realized after the record came out, we were like, man, like to service in, in an album cycle, you can really only service three or four songs to radio period. Like as much like money and time as it takes to go to radio with a song like you can't just do, you know, 12, 13 songs to radio in an album cycle. So for us, it makes a lot of sense to write the music that is our foundation that we love so much, like really heavy. Um, and then write songs that have the potential of radio um, at the same time and uh, package it all into one thing. So we kind of like, you know, can, can appeal to everybody. And um, that's what we did on this last one, you know, make believe in somebody and misery. Like those are our radio singles and, they're crowd favorites too, which is cool because the people that were, you know, that, that wanted heavy music from us, they got that. And then they also were willing to explore the other songs because they got what they wanted. You know, is it, is it necessary though, when you're trying to expand or like you say, you're trying to get maybe to a radio format, is it, is it necessary to kind of slow it all down and create more of a melodic rock song, or can you still expand your audience by being the other way, super aggressive, super like, you know, just, pure metal court is is it possible to expand your eyes by doing that or do you have to kind of like pull on the reins a little bit i think like you know traditional metal core um you know everything that followed under oath and everything right it's like mm-hmm. there is that audience and if you write music in that pocket and it does decently well then people know who you are right 
And mm-hmm. to expand your audience, you have to do one or the other. You have to go like extremely heavy, which would feel odd because that's not the band you started as or extremely rock, which doesn't feel like it. I think there's a middle, there's, there is a middle ground. Like for us, you know, Octane has been a huge blessing. Like the, that, that station and um, their support for us has been a game changer because we can write a song that really works at radio and really connects with their audience, but we can keep our heavy parts in there with some more like traditional rock stations. We have to take our heavy parts and rewrite them, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like melodically so that, you know, they're willing to play it. Um, And that's awesome too. It's, it's, it's fun to do that. But um, yeah, I think that like, if if you're wanting to expand, you can either say like, I want to go crazy heavy or I want to go like all rock or I want to figure out maybe there's a way that I can write songs that feel heavy and that feel fun to me. And then also, um, you know, make them appealing to a different audience. And it's kind of, it's kind of like this scientific thing, man. It's crazy. Like when you're sitting down to make a song to, to see it through the eyes and hear it through the ears of somebody else is kind of what everyone's I, trying to do you know i only ask that just because as examples outside of what you guys do you got someone like bring me the horizon who kind of went in the rock direction and it became it worked or then you have someone like lorna shore and they're basically like in the black metal and it works just the same. it's just like and you kind of go okay where the fuck is the middle ground here you know well that's the thing man i mean there, there's pockets for everything so it's like Lorna is a great example of, I mean, they didn't like start metalcore and go heavy. Like just always been like a really heavy band. Right. Right. Um, right. But bring me, it's like, they've put out metalcore records and rock records and pop records. Like they put out Mm -hmm. like an actual pop album. Right. Yeah. Um, And for their audience, like they can do no wrong. It's like, no matter what they do, it always wins. And it's so awesome to see like how they can, branch out and do different things and, and win that way. And it's not that way for every band, but yeah, it's, I think it's, I think it's trial and error, man. Like if you're like, I'm passionate about this thing and I want to do this thing and I want to experiment and try, then you should, as an artist, it's your responsibility to try the thing that your soul is telling you to try. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, then you did what you were supposed to do either way. You know? Yeah. I think think there's a good hack in the, sorry, I was going to say, I think it's harder to go in the, from being in the middle of what metalcore is, if we're talking about that lane, it's harder to to maintain and find a new audience in the heavier side, just because. And I hate to say this, but I I find that a lot of the the fans that exist there are very uh, boxed in by what they like and what they don't like, and that's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing. It's just like, man, it, if you if you don't do right by that metal scene, it's a, <laughs> it's really hard to dig yourself back out. That's it can definitely be uh, like very elitist for sure. Yeah, um, elitist is the. I mean, I think the ship rocked crowd is a great example of the type of fans that every band wants. Yeah, like yep. they are there to see rancid, or they are there to see you know uh, Parkway or falling or whatever it might be. Like they came because they were excited about this band and this band and this band, and then they've never heard of you. And then you put on a good show and it's like, boom, it does. There's no like predetermined judgment of whether or not they're going to like you. It's like, I'm not, I didn't, I didn't come here to hear this. Like, uh, you know, like you don't have enough breakdowns or you, you know, you don't sing enough. You don't scream enough. It's like none of that. It's like, these people are genuine music lovers 
who came because they wanted to see a rad rock show and they saw another band that they liked. And as soon as they liked them or as soon as they enjoyed that moment, they became a fan forever. That is a dream come true for a band. Like if you are a fan of music and you're watching this interview and you have really strong opinions about what it is that you listen to, I would highly encourage you to be more like a shiprocked fan where you show up, you get entertained. And if something in you says, I'm enjoying this, roll with it. And don't be so specific about the things that you need from a live performance or need from a song. Because I mean, dude, we felt, we felt the absolute presence of just like appreciation and grace and people being so kind and like accepting and rad. And I think that we made a lot of lifelong fans on that boat, dude. And that's like, there's no better feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you just created our new tagline. So thank you very much for that. I know that I'm doing any copywriting this summer. Um, (laughs) I think one of the things that there's a good hack for you guys, uh, Maddie, is that you guys continue on with your sound. Maybe if you're going to do a big rock song that appeals to radio, but next time do your logo in, in tree branches. That way you just (laughs) split the difference. You you keep the super aggro people. (laughs) Yeah. Your merch is going to be awesome. It's pure dark throne. (laughs) But then oh, our yeah. uh, but then our rock fans uh, will not be able to read it, and uh, then they'll forget what the band name was, and they won't. Be yeah, there. but this TikTok fashion, they'll love it. Just tell them it's TikTok fashion. They'll, yeah, they'll buy it. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's rad. No, dude, I think it's, you. You made a really good point, though. It's just yeah. like, I mean, a conversation killer for me if we're talking music is to go to someone and say, "What are you into?" I'm only into this. If you box yourself, I'm like, we can't. Other than us agreeing on, yeah, that band's great. Where are we going with this conversation? Because listen, you got a Men at Work album in your collection. You like the Allman Brothers? You like all the cool shit too? I mean, do you own any Zeppelin? We need to have that conversation too. Besides saying I only listen to, well, you know, what choose your hard band as you will. I only listen to Slayer. Great, we all listen to Slayer, but do you know the guys in Slayer listen? You know the guys in Slayer listen to like John Conley, or you know they listen to Green Greenwood too? Did you know that? Yeah. I mean, dude, that's awesome, man. I mean, and that's, yeah, that's what makes great music, you know, like the record that really, really got me into heavy music. Cause I was raised totally different, man. Like I wasn't raised on anything, um, rock or metal related. What were you raised on? I was raised on super Christian contemporary music. So I was like brought up in that. So I was only allowed to listen to certain things. Right. So when I was in high school, I had a buddy come up and be like, Hey, have you heard of this band Norma Jean? And it was when Josh Scoggin was still in the band and it was a record called bless the murder, kiss the child. And he put it on and I was just like floored. I was like this energy and the emotion in this is telling a story of my own that I didn't know I needed to tell almost. Right. And I was like, man, I want to make music like that. So, you know, I didn't have the, um, the luxury of being raised on, on music that birthed this genre but I was introduced to music that pioneered, you know, different uh, forms of genres within this. Right. And um, so I was just so stoked to, to hear something and feel something different. And um, I will always love heavy music for that, but I will never deny other genres of music or not give something else a chance because as a songwriter, it's so important as a music lover and listener, it's so important to experience all different aspects of music to be able to really um, just 
to feel, you know, and feeling is, is really important. Were you, um, were you, now the music you listen to, you, the, the kind of contemporary, was that a family thing that was kind of like, Hey, this is what's played in this house. Could yes. you listen to all the stuff that was on the solid state label? Or could you, could you listen to demon hunter and living sacrifice? They all, they all played it. It was a little heavier, but you stay well. You were able to stay in the context of what the Christian stuff was. Right. So I was raised um, in a really musical household. My brother was a musician in a band. My dad was a musician. So growing up when I was, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, we were at Christian festivals and things like that. When I was in high school is when the tooth and nail solid state era boomed. Tooth and 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 that was that whole Norma Jean thing for me, right? It was uh, Norma Jean, it was Zayo, it was, you know, uh, Blindside, and it was, you know, like I Beloved and, and all these bands. Sorry? Do you know Travail? Yeah. Oh, dude. I used, to, sure. I used to play with those dudes. Yeah, yeah. No so way. Like, That's hey, awesome. When you're naming all these names, I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this is my this is my shit, too. Did you? So you dropped the Newsboys for Norma Jean, essentially. You know what? No one ever drops the news, boys. <laughs> no. True. So here's the crazy thing is that um, I I never lost my love for Christian contemporary music because that's my roots, right? And it means so much to me. Like when I'm home, if I'm feeling low or if I'm feeling like I need encouragement, like I'll still go back to Christian radio. So I have a side project that is for Christian radio. It's just my name, Maddie Mullins. And I've put out a handful of songs in that realm. Um, and I've got a new one coming out at the beginning of next month as well. Because that is as polarizing as it is, like heavy music and Christian con contemporary music are both equal parts of me. Yeah, you know? And yeah. if I was to deny one and only pursue the other, I would be lying about who I am as a person. So it's like, mm -hmm. is it unattractive to some fans that I pursue Christian music still? Absolutely. But is it the most punk rock thing ever that I can do? to say that I do both and I don't care what you think. Right. Yeah. yeah and, totally. uh, and it's awesome to, to be a part of two completely different genres and industries. Um, and, and I still like, I, I genuinely love doing both. And so I do, so I, I do both. Then, then let me ask you this, uh, speaking out of being a part of things that are different, you have, um, you have a pomade. Yeah. You uh, have really the, nice hair. So that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but how did that all, how did that all come about? Come about? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, for anybody that's not familiar with the word pomade, it's a, it's a type of hair product. Um, I have a men's grooming line that um, I started when I was on warp tour in 2014. Um, I've always cared about my hair. I've always um, been kind of OCD about the way that I look. And I just, um, I wanted a certain hair product that was going to do what I wanted it to do. I wanted something that was going to be high shine, stronghold, um, go in easy and wash out easy. And at that time frame, there was like a handful of things that were kind of that, but not really that. And so I was using multiple products from like Walgreens and Walmart and things like that. And I was uh, trying to make the best thing. And so I reached out to a buddy of mine that was a business partner um, that became a business partner. Um, and we hired a scientist uh, that was creating this formula based on the things that I love. And so uh, we, we did this whole thing where we would go back and forth. He was in Oregon. I was in uh, Washington and um, I would, he would send a formula. I would try it out. 
I'm still here. I'm I'm in. Are you back? Just, yeah. Justin seems uh, like you froze. I'm good. Yeah, he would send a formula. I would try it out. Um, and then I would hit hit him back with like, you know, different like critiques and things like that. It took two and a half years to develop this one formula and we have holy crap. On point pomade. It's our premium pomade. I'm really still super proud of the product. And we have a beard oil as well. Um onpointpomade.com it's it's very it's, it's it's a ton of fun dude yeah it really is yeah that, that that's awesome to, to to exercise that that side of your brain too of creativity when you're like you say two and a half years on a product it's not just about getting something out there that you that you can earn from because of the you know the way that you look and like to do your hair and people are seeing this it's about the creation of of i'm sure you had a lot of fun putting it is oh man it's a, it's a ton of fun yeah and it and it really was like entrepreneurship for me is about being a part of something that you love to use. Right. So it's like, I would never promote a product that I don't love. So I have my hair product company and then I have my Instagram that uh, TikTok or whatever, that's meaty Mullins. It's me barbecuing uh, because I love, I love barbecue. Like I genuinely love barbecue. I love my triggers. And um, so I have those things that just um, that feed my soul. And then I share those things with people. And if it becomes a business opportunity, then that's cool. Um, But all that matters is that I'm really passionate about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, Speaking Maddie, of passion, do you have stuff for, do you have stuff for your bags under your eyes as far as men's grooming? Cause I could really use the, uh, <laughs> no, but I need, it. I need to make it for sure, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, nice. but, and, and I think meaty Mullins, I, I, I think about it, I was going, man, is he got, maybe he's in the supplements. He's like been lifting. <laughs> no, I, I should, <laughs> but instead, uh, today I posted a picture of me making uh, double smash burgers. Um, okay. I was like, Hey, what's your, what's your deadlift these days? Go to meaty mullets and find out the proper supplements in order to get. <laughs> yeah. Get my, my, de- my deadlift is, uh, is two smash burgers at once. <laughs> and I also wanted to make a note cause I, I just found out about this. Uh, you also have a, uh, well, y- your wife has a nonprofit which does, uh, I believe, peer-to-peer mentoring, and you're pretty active over there. It's called Beneath the Skin, right? Yeah, dude, it's so awesome. So um, it's called Beneath the Skin. The website is beneaththeskinonline.org. Um, and when I joined the band and we moved to Dallas and we became part of a bigger music scene, my wife saw this huge need within the music scene for young women that were struggling with suicidal thoughts, self-harm and depression and anxiety and didn't feel like they had someone to talk to. And so um, she created a peer-to-peer mentoring program where anybody in the world can sign up or anybody in the United States, I'm sorry, can sign up um, to either be a mentor or a mentee. And they can just walk through a 12 month season with this person and be an outside voice, you know, like that um, is unbiased. Uh, When you're struggling with something, sometimes your family members, the hardest people to talk to. Sometimes your friends are the hardest people to talk to because you just want to act like you have it all together. Well, when you enter into a relationship with someone who doesn't need anything from you and you can be fully yourself um, and you can admit the things that you're going through, that's usually where the healing process begins. And so um, it's been a huge blessing, man. I mean, like people are, I can't even count the number of people that have been touched by this and that have been seen real change in their own lives from it. And so I can't take any credit. I just get involved when I can and I try to, you know, help them, uh, you know, raise funds and everything that keeps them alive. But uh, my wife and, and all of her involvement in that is is really special for sure. Yeah, man. I wanted to make sure that we mentioned it because it, it sounds like a very, 
a very awesome program to be a part of on, on both sides, uh, whether you're, you know, being mentored or the mentor themselves. And I, honestly, there there isn't a lot of stuff, especially when you're talking about the spaces that, you know, we all exist in and uh, when you're down and when you don't know where to turn. Um, yeah, there's not enough for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, man, I don't want to take up too much more t- of your time, uh, but I was hoping that Justin and I could do a little bit uh, of a thing that we like to call walk, walk the plank. We just ask you a, a couple uh, random qu- questions and uh, yeah. Let's go, dude. I had a, a band when I was in Spokane. Uh, we were called Nights and Fire and we had this song called Walk the Plank and the breakdown was, I want to watch you walk the plank. And it was so sick. And I've always wanted to reuse that lyric, but it's too special in that time. Um, and I just can't, I can't repurpose it. But anyways, yeah, continue. I'm stoked. Oh man, you should let us sample it sometime for, for one yeah, of these. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And so, I, I thought you said rock the plank and I'm thinking, well, maybe we need to change it to rock the plank and that'd be kind of, I mean, that's kind of oh, sick too, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Dang, we're so, just anyways. coming up with all sorts of All right, of cool so Chad, stuff. you want to do it first or I can ask the first question? You go, if you're ready. Okay. All right. Let me think what I think. Um, okay. I'll ask basically a one-on-one question. What song for you, doesn't have to be your own, brings back the most memories for you when you hear it? The one song. I would say um, Blood and Water uh, from our newest record because it is so personal and tied in with my uh, childhood and upbringing. Um, it, I can't play that song without... Um, having this like really vivid vision of the person that it's about and a, and a lot of experiences. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so lost in love by air supply is not the one I came to scratch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, remember Maddie, there's no crying in metal core brother. Hey, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, all right here, here comes mine. So somebody gives you a billboard space for free. What do you put on it? Oh my gosh, that is an awesome, that's an awesome question, dude. (laughs) There's so many things running through my mind right now that are all so rad. Um, obviously there's like selfish desires of, of like promoting things that you want people to know about, but I would just say, um, I would probably just put giant text that says you are enough. Oh, um, I, uh, have felt in my own life inadequate in every way. And I know there's a lot of people that feel inadequate. Um, and so if you're really going to purpose a billboard, um, that a lot of people are going to see and you have the free opportunity, um, you should absolutely encourage people. And I think that's what I would put on it. Yeah. Totally agree. That's a great. And I feel, I just thought about that. Dude. I, I feel bad now. I was just going to say, check your fly. <laughs> also also pretty pretty important you could be who knows where that person was going yeah, go uh, slow down first jerk time. you know for, yeah first time on the job it flies down bro yeah <laughs> should check the billboard yeah what, 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 what route did you take you didn't see that billboard that's awesome <laughs> so we got we got one uh last question and then also i should give the caveat of this question comes from our guest last week and oh, they cool. didn't know who the guest this week's going to be. Oh, and cool. You're going to get to do the same and pass that fortune yeah. along. 
so this the question is from Justin Ben uh, Lolo uh, of Broken Love, uh, and he asked, "If you were a pirate, which eye do you wear the patch on, and which shoulder would you wear your parrot on?" Uh, patch on the left eye for sure, because my right eye is dominant. Um, nice. And the parrot, I mean, like, I would go parrot left as well because if you have a patch on your left eye you're not worried about the peripheral of the uh of the parrot but on your right eye you'd have no eye and then you'd have a parrot over here you know what i'm saying yeah yeah, yeah. So left yeah, eye so patch uh left shoulder parrot <laughs> great that- i think that's super smart too because if that parrot got ornery and poked out your good eye yep. you don't want that you yeah, gotta protect you that go. one good eye, dog. So right, your other ones, the other ones already got You can check out it all day long. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So okay, so I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to type down your question. It could be anything. My question. Give me a second. No problem. This is when the music plays for Walk to Plank. I think that he from his. Yeah. Um. The jaw scene. <laughs> oh, we got to put the music in now. Jeopardy file. Would you rather fight a hundred duck sized Chuck Norrises or would you rather fight one Chuck Norris sized duck? Or one Chuck sized duck. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I don't know. Man. That's hard. You put me on the spot. That's the that's the whole point. So if I got you, if I got this correct, would you rather fight one hundred duck sized Chuck Norrises or one Chuck Norris sized duck? <laughs> I don't so, even remember I, what I said, but yeah, I guess that's what I you said. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, does this involve the? Does this involve the protagonist being on acid? I mean, listen, dude. Uh, cocaine bear was pretty sick, so maybe. Dude. I don't know. But yeah, no, I, I would say drug-free. Drug-free is right. even better. Drug-free, was- drug-free mind fighting a ducks, a Chuck Norris-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized Chuck Norris's. <laughs> I, go with the one, I go with the one, because at least one, you know what's going on. The other one's the circle around you. It'd just be like terrible. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, to each their own, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we'll, you put we'll find out next week. question. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's, so, that's anyway. probably my favorite question, by the way. I don't oh, think that's, I awesome. That that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. As great yeah. as those Anything to bring Chuck into the conversation is always going to be fucking, we're always on the winning side of that one. Yeah. We love um, it. Look, Maddie, we've had you, we have some technical issues, but we've had you for nearly an hour. We can't thank you enough for giving us your time, man. And we really appreciate obviously everything you you did for Shiprocked and you guys being on there. And we hope obviously to sail with you again. And um, look, guys, we couldn't do the show without a few folks. Uh, obviously, Chad, our host, uh, our show engineer, Jennifer Zito, our show producer, Alan Koenig, and the show coordinator, Heather Smith, and of course, the captain, Alan Koenig. Um, guys, check out Remade in Misery, the latest Memphis May Fire album. Um, obviously, you guys can be hitting the road, I assume. Yeah, we're going back out in July and then uh, home for a second back out late August all the way through uh, end of October. So, yeah. There you go. Rock there you're on the plans. Going to shock, see. Right? 
Yeah, 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 a b- bunch of them. festivals mixed in there, dude. Like, yeah. very stoked. And uh, thank you go guys see so them much. At their own headlining shows. Go see them give it the full meal deal at their old headliners. Yeah, well, I mean, um, I agree, but yeah, absolutely. You know, hey, but prop, props where it is. Um, check out On Point Pomade. Your hair will never look better. Yeah, Please check facts. out Beneath the Skin uh, and spread the word on that. That's Maddie's wife's um, uh, organization there. So, Beneath the Skin. And also check out Meaty Mullins if you guys have a taste for sweet savory meat and that sounded so bad and watching jack dudes <laughs> lift weights bro dude you, you guys are so awesome man thank thank you so much for having me on and uh and and thank you to everyone that's a part of ship rocked like i felt so lucky to be a part of such a cool community of people that love music and that restores my faith as someone that writes music full-time and for a living so thank you we love you guys love and we hope to be back soon all right, Maddie. Thanks, my friend. Take care. Best to you and your family. Likewise. See you See y'all. See ya. Bye. Chris Santos, host of Delirious Nomads, the Blacklight Media Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Delirious Nomads is a podcast about all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports. And me being a chef and all, we'll be riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.